Morning, Living Waters. Thanks for being with us this morning. Thank you so much for your singing and uh, for tuning in with us. We certainly um, have enjoyed our time with you and uh, really appreciate uh, you tuning in uh, every week. And uh, we want to get right into it. Uh, We want to go ahead and uh, tee up the scriptures this morning. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews. We've been in the book of Hebrews and um, have really enjoyed um, the things that we've been able to Uh, take away from the book of Hebrews. We're going to be in chapter 8 this morning, primarily in verses 6 through 13, uh, but we'll start with verse 5 just to kind of grease the wheels for uh, the verses to follow. It says, And they serve as a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. Verse 6. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as the covenant. Uh, As the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for the second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, and not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant." And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall uh, teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, for I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Let's pray. Father, thanks for the morning. Thanks for bringing us together, God. And we are asking that your spirit would work in fantastic ways this morning, God, to help us know and understand and realize what we have in the new covenant. Thank you, God, for being who you are. Thanking that you're, that you're a promise keeping God. And, uh, thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy extended to those who don't deserve it. We don't deserve it, God, but we're certainly thankful for who you are and for it. Um, in Jesus name we pray. Amen. If you go to London, England, uh, Perhaps one of the many attractions that you will uh, visit is uh, Madame Tussaud's Wax Museum. Now, Marie Tussaud was a French wax sculptor from Strasbourg, France. She was born in uh, 1761. She perfected her first sculpture at the age of 16. The Wax Museum has been up and running since 1835, and thousands and thousands and thousands of people Pay about 40 bucks to go to the museum and rub elbows with the stars. Except they're not really the stars. Uh, they're not really real. Um, you could, 
You could say that, well, they're just the next best thing. You could go have a selfie with Winston Churchill. You could, uh, you could get your picture taken with Albert Einstein. You could meet Tiger Woods. You could say hi to Taylor Swift. Um, it's a museum that was made to make lookalikes. They make lookalikes. You can go there. It's like being next to the real thing, but it's not the same. Um, they've made an absolute fortune off of copies of real people. Recently, uh, a shout out to Brian White, who posted one of the best Facebook questions I have seen in a while. Uh, what's the first concert you ever went to? And I was blown away. Over 200 responses. People are passionate about concerts. Great question, Brian. Uh, your your follow-up comments, though, have really made me chuckle and uh, uh, made me laugh out loud. <laughs> People remember the concerts they've gone to. Why is that? Why, why do people, why are they so passionate about the concerts they've gone to? Well, what do you think they would remember more? A real concert or a COVID-19 virtual concert where no one else is there? And that's the question. What's better? What's better? Well, virtual concerts um, serve a purpose. Real concerts, live is better. And while virtual concerts serve their purpose in a pandemic, they'll never play, take the place of a preferred concert where you're there with the sights and the sounds and the people and the people that you go with and the people that you see there. It's life in action. And so that stands as the contrast between the old covenant, which served its purpose, but God in his wisdom and planning has instituted a new covenant, which begs the question, what's a covenant? Well, it's an agreement. When Julie and I bought our house, we signed a ton of paperwork. If you bought a house, you know that you sign your name so many times, you think, I didn't know I could sign my name this many times. And we agreed to pay the seller the asking price of that house. They promised to sell us that house, and we agreed and promised to pay a certain price for it. And that's interesting, and it's important. Covenants always involve a promise. And in Hebrews 8, 6-13, what we see is the writer of Hebrews is making the contrast between the Old Covenant and the New. And under the Old Covenant, the Israelites agreed to keep the law and were required to. And they agreed to do what God asked them to do, to make sacrifices for sin when they didn't keep the law, when they couldn't keep the law. And in chapter 7, we read that those priests of the Old Testament, as a matter of law-keeping, would need to offer sacrifices daily, first for their own sin, and then for the sins of other people, because they couldn't keep it. But the New Covenant isn't about continual sacrifices that cover sin. The New Covenant is something radical and amazing. I love what John Piper says. He says, what's new about the new covenant is not that there are no commandments, but that God's promise has come true. 
especially when he says, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And so this morning, I thought it would be good to walk through two aspects of the new covenant and why it's better. There's perhaps nothing more profound and important than remembering the realities of the new covenant. It means everything for the believer in Jesus. So aspect number one, the new covenant is about the person, Jesus, who's our mediator, verses six through seven. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better. It's better since it's enacted on better promises. There's our word again, promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. Better promises. Shout out to Doug Castleberry this week in our, in our small group. We were talking through the, the talking points and, you know, just sermon points um, from last week's sermon. And Doug summed it up this way. He said, if you boil it down, Hebrews really is about the fact that Jesus is better. Amen? Jesus is better. And so our new covenant is about the person of Jesus. Well, what about the old? What about the old covenant? Well, under the old covenant, God required sacrifices to be made for the for the for the sins that were committed, but those sacrifices covered sin. And covers an operative word here. Those sacrifices never took sin away. They were more like a like a temporary covering. And in fact, what we've learned in our time in Hebrews is that the priests under the old covenant, they offered those sacrifices daily, as we said, first for their own and then for the sins of people. And they had to offer them daily because they were never fully removed. We aren't there just yet. We're not there just yet. But if you flash forward to Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 4, it says, For it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. And that word to take away means to remove from, to carry off, to cut it off. The animal sacrifices of the Old Testament never removed sin, but they, they were a foreshadowing to a coming greater sacrifice, Jesus. Jesus is better. That would take away the sins of the world. John one twenty nine, John the Baptist looks up. The next day, it says, he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, what about the new covenant? Well, the new covenant isn't about law-keeping. It's based on God's better promise. And that promise is that God promises that he'll forgive your sins and remove them, not just cover them, as far as the east is from the west. And when we believe in his son Jesus by faith, that's exactly what he does. It's no longer a system of law-keeping to receive God's blessing. So there's no longer animal sacrifices that must be made to be in fellowship with God. The new covenant in God's promise is that he'll save you from your sin, not based on what you do regarding sacrifices, law-keeping, but on the basis of his grace and mercy. Radical. Amazing. There are no works that we can do to save ourselves. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 make this very clear. The new covenant, God's perfect son, is the atoning sacrifice for you and me. 
to pay the price, to, to buy us back out of our sin, the sin that condemns us to hell. And we are saved when we believe in Jesus by faith. Luke twenty two twenty. We see Jesus speaking at the, at the institution of the Lord's Supper about himself being and doing exactly what we just talked about. He says, this cup that is poured out for you, poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. Matthew 26, 27 and 28. He took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And look, that, that phrase that Christ has obtained a ministry in verse 6, very important phrase. It means hit the mark. It means hit the mark. It carries the idea that a person throws a javelin or shoots an arrow. What do you think of that, Clint Marlat? That's my anchor point. I was really admiring your... Your deer heads. I'm coming after uh, one of those deer heads to put on my wall. That's what it means. It means that you're shooting an arrow and that arrow is hitting the mark. It hits the bullseye. Jesus hits the bullseye. That's the point, the target. He meets God's perfect requirement for a perfect sacrifice. Here's what Spurgeon says. We have also loved our Savior as the surety of the covenant who on our behalf undertook to pay our debts and on his father's behalf undertook also to see that all of our souls should be secure and safe and ultimately presented unblemished and complete before him. And I doubt not that we have also rejoiced in the thought that Christ is the sum and the substance of the covenant. We believe that if, uh, that if we would sum up all the spiritual blessings, we must say Christ is, is all. He's, he's the matter. He's the substance of it. And although much can be said concerning the glories of the covenant, yet nothing could be said which is not found in that one word, Christ. I don't know what it is about when I preach, but for some reason, uh, prison stories come to mind. <laughs> I don't know what it is. So here's a quick story. Here's a quick story. Someone said if they could just round me up and I could just tell stories, that would be great. Well, here's a story for you. When I started with the state of Iowa, I started as a correctional officer. And in my rotation, I I pulled tower duty. And that tower duty was sometimes twice a week. It just varied. And there is not a more boring job in the world than tower duty. Here's what a tower has in it. It's really high off the ground and it, and you're there for eight hours and you're looking at fences that go this way in a building and your sole job is to watch those fences and watch that building to see if anybody comes out. And what you have there is a really high chair that you sit up and look down on. You have a telephone, you have a microwave, You have a radio, you have a shotgun, and you have a high-powered rifle. That's what you have. And you get to sit there for eight hours a day. Your entire shift is spent sitting and watching. And occasionally, a light will flash up in your eyes because they have a perimeter vehicle that drives around the fence, and their job is to shine a flashlight up at you, and your responsibility is to 
flash a light back at them so they know you're not sleeping. That's the whole idea. Guy shines the light. I flash back. No biggie, except he says, hey, Biddle, can you drop down some paper towels? I didn't leave the tower. I dropped the paper towels down. And the next day when I came in, um, at roll call, they said, uh, hey, you're going down the shift captain's office. And when I got there, Otto was there. Otto. Otto, the union rep. And Otto's job was to facilitate as a go-between staff and employees. Otto's job was a union rep. Somehow, someway, I was in trouble. Otto worked with the understanding that he was employed by the state, but he was there to represent and serve his fellow officers. And I remember looking at Otto when they said, you might be in some trouble. And I said, am I going to get fired? I didn't know. I'd been there three months. I had no idea. And Otto said, I talked to him. You're all right. Don't worry about it. Otto's job was to settle disputes and mediate problems. He was a mediator, a dispute settler. He represented both parties. Here's the idea. Here's the truth. Jesus is the ultimate dispute settler. He settles disputes between us and God. Our sin separates us from a holy God, and we can't work hard enough to save ourselves. Jesus does the work on the cross in himself and who he is and what he does on our behalf by bringing God and us together and settling the dispute of our sin. Sacrifices under the old covenant were unable to do what Jesus, our mediator, does. Only he can do it. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6 say, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. And Hebrews 9.15, Therefore, he is the mediator of the new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Jesus hits the mark in every way. Amen? And our mediator meets all of God's righteous requirements. Without a mediator, we're sunk. Without a mediator, we're dead in the water. Without Jesus being our mediator, we've had it. What's amazing is that after the resurrection of Christ, Gentiles are then brought into the blessing of the new covenant. It's because of Jesus that the new covenant is for us. Aspect number two, the new covenant is just radical. It's radical and it's internal because it, it involves the heart of a person, verses 8 through 13. When you look at verses 8 through 13, especially verse 10, the writer of Hebrews restates 
basically what is written in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. And he says, look, behold, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'll establish or finish a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. The new covenant's radical, and it's internal. You know, one of the things about COVID-19 is that it's upended our concept of work. We were just talking about that. I talked with Jake about that right before the service. Are you going to continue working from home? Well, COVID-19 has had a lot of implications about how we think about work. And working hard is ingrained in us. It's, in the, it's, it's worked itself into the fabric of our lives, and we've allowed it to give us so much definition in our life. We even seek, we even seek our, or see our self-worth as wrapped up in our work. Work in a lot of ways is the definer of who we are. We work to be successful. We, we work to overcome all the obstacles. We work, 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 work. We're probably the most working uh, culture in the world. We could even believe falsely that our work makes us righteous. It makes us righteous before God. It's false. And the new covenant is radical because it's not about your work. It's no longer about your work. It's about Jesus' work on the cross on our behalf and believing in him by faith. And when we do, his life-giving spirit comes in and lives inside of us and changes our life. The new covenant's radical because it's not about, it's not about anything else now other than the rule and reign of Jesus in our hearts. It's internal. Our priorities and our values and our ideas and our beliefs, our plans, they now come in under the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, King Jesus. We can live differently with Jesus at the center of our lives. I love what John Frame says. The fact that the heart is depraved then means that apart from uh, grace, God's undeserved favor to us, we are in radical ignorance of the things of God. There's no spiritual life or light in the heart without Christ. The new covenant's radical because it's transformational. It's transformational. That's what you and I need. We need to be transformed. When God saves us by his grace through faith in his son, we're made new. That's what the Bible says. We're given a new birth and our sins are paid for by Jesus. We have forgiveness of sins. We're made new. Second Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. That's not the old covenant. That's the new covenant. The new covenant's radical because we, f- we fall short of his glory. But how glorious he is in his grace to save us. Romans 3.23. The new covenant is the promise 
that God makes us um, what he wants us to be. What's realized through Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. That he'll forgive our sins. And that he'll restore fellowship with those whose hearts are turned. It's a heart issue. Whose hearts are turned toward him in repentance. The new covenant is an issue of repentance. Realized through repentance. And Jesus Christ is the mediator of that new covenant. And his death on the cross is the basis of that promise. It's no longer external works that we do to cover our sin. The new covenant means that God gives us a new heart. A new heart to love him and to serve him and to think about him and desire to desire to do what he wants us to do. He guides us. You know, when we when we kind of uh, rethought about new heart counseling and we thought what would be a, a way that we could help people understand and realize what it means to be in Jesus and what that means for new heart counseling. One of the very first verses that popped into my head was Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. It says, And I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be very careful to obey my rules. The new covenant is realized in Jesus' resurrection. It's a matter of repentance. It's an issue of the heart. Um, the new covenant is radical. And that it's not about our works. It's about Jesus saving us by faith and working in our hearts. And so to just kind of wrap things up, we're needy, needy, needy people, aren't we? We're needy. We're messy. We have sin in our life. That sin separates us from God. We need to be saved. And then we realize that we're sinners, that we can't do enough work to save ourselves. But we're called to believe in Jesus, who was the perfect sacrifice for us, and believe in him by faith. And God's promise to us in the new covenant is when we do that, when we realize that we're sinners, in need of saving. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin that we can't pay ourselves. His spirit will come in and live inside of us and guide us and direct us. He'll change the way you think. He'll change the way you feel. He'll change the way that you desire to follow him. And so my challenge to you is if you haven't done that, if you don't know Christ, if he's not your personal Lord and Savior, Lord and Master. And you'd like to talk about that? We'd love for you to chime in on the broadcast thread this morning, and we'll find a way to get with you and talk with you. And if you're a believer in Jesus, isn't it so good to remember and reflect on God's Word and what we have and who we are in Christ by faith? We need to remember, even more so in days like these. Isn't that true? Amen? remembering how gracious God is to save us and to work in our lives. And I hope this week that you'll spend some time today, this week, moving forward, that you'll spend some time considering the things we talked about and what you have in Jesus. We love you. And uh, we just are so thankful that you're uh, tuning in today. 
And if we can pray for you in any way, please let us know on the broadcast thread. Let's go ahead and pray and then we'll uh, wrap up the remainder of our service. Okay. Father God, thank you for the morning. We remember who we are, um, not because of our works, God, but completely because of Jesus and the new covenant. Um, uh, God, we are grafted into that completely by faith. And so, God, we're so thankful um, for your grace and your mercy extended to us sinners that don't deserve it. We don't deserve it, God. Um, but you're kind to us and you're gracious. And we thank you for that. I'm praying, God, that you would help us to remember um, all these things that we discussed this morning, God. Help us to spend time in your word this week. Help us to be great encouragers of one another, God. And help us to look to you um, uh, to provide the things that we need, God, the guidance that we need. And uh, we certainly will give you all the thanks and praise for this morning and uh, beyond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.